I just poured Dr. Pepper all over myself. (laughs) But I didn't want to interrupt you. Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panonto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Doing all right, Nick. How are you? I'm good. I've seen two movies this week. Ooh, which ones? I saw The Lighthouse from 2019. Interesting. And Gretel and Hansel from 2020 no (laughs) okay all right well i saw two movies as well i saw 1917 and rambo last blood again again (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, it wasn't exactly why did you watch it again it wasn't exactly my choice Oh, okay. So, I still haven't watched that. <laughs> yeah, you still haven't even seen it. And I you're know. watching Gretel and Hansel. <laughs> Why don't we start with Rambo Last Blood, since that should be a bit quicker. And yeah. And maybe 1917 Last, because we've both seen that. Uh, agreed. All right. Well, Rambo Last Blood. If you want a fuller review of this, go back a handful of weeks. Maybe, what do you think, like three or four months? Sounds Ooh, like maybe, it. yeah. Yeah. Who knows about time anymore? It could have been eight years. <laughs> Nothing makes <laughs> it sense. It was yesterday. Oh, my God. Our gauge is way off. And if you're listening to this episode so far ahead in the future that you don't know what we're talking about, do some research. Anyway, uh, so the takeaways from watching this movie this time. The first time I saw it, I thought, man, Sylvester Stallone's mouth does not move. And this time around, I realized his whole face doesn't move. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's Botox or plastic surgery or he just doesn't care. (laughs) I don't, I really don't get the impression that it's lack of like investment. It's just his face just doesn't move. It's almost like a marionette where just like there's a part of the mouth that just goes up and down a little bit and that's Mm -hmm. it. Or no, maybe that's not a marionette. No, not a marionette, a dummy, you know, like one of those wooden dummies. But anyway. Oh, a wooden dummy. Yeah. Why'd you say it like that? I thought it would be fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, because some of them aren't made of wood, like the soft, fuzzy ones, like that guy Bill Dunham plays with. Jeff. There we go. Jeff Dunham. Unless Bill Dunham also plays with soft, fuzzy puppets. Somewhere there's a Bill Dunham playing with the soft, fuzzy puppet who is like, thank God, (laughs) someone knows me. I thought the soft, fuzzy ones were just called Muppets. Oh, shut up. (laughs) We don't need to talk of Muppets. No, thing. Matt hates Muppets. I hate Muppets, but I, I I really hate like all of those types of things. So I ended up watching maybe a year ago when my mom and aunt were out visiting, and they're like, hey, "Let's just find something on TV to watch." And so we're like going through Netflix, and like nothing was catching their eye. And I'm like, "Oh man, I don't know if we're gonna be able to find anything that they're actually gonna enjoy." And then they both were like, "Oh look, Jeff Dunham has a special." <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. "Oh man." It's the only thing they seem interested in. So I just sit there and watch puppets the whole time. And I'm like, man, I, I am not enjoying this. But as a therapist, to do a lot of exposure work, you know, where people have to like make contact with 
feelings and experiences they don't really like that aren't comfortable so i was just like well i guess this is just a therapy opportunity and i can't say i walked away from it with a changed life or anything but once i decided to just let myself be uncomfortable it was a lot better it wasn't very funny but you know that's that's on jeff dunham anyway hmm. back to rambo last blood so brief real brief plot is that rambo is out living on sort of a ranch and his niece goes down to Mexico to to try to meet her dad. Bad things happen, and then Rambo ends up having to get revenge on a bunch of dudes. And well, it occurred to me at some point, and, and Nick, maybe you can maybe you can fill me in on this or, or remind me here. But at some point while I was watching, I was like, you know, Rambo's got this ranch, and he's just kind of chilling out. Didn't he kill a sheriff in the first movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he killed a, a whole bunch of cops. Isn't yeah. that a problem? <laughs> like, shouldn't he not be free? Well, that was in, like, Oregon. Oh, okay, so he crossed state lines, and then it's okay. Yeah, so it's fine. You know. All right. He's keeping his head down, you know, nobody's gonna, nobody's looking for him. He well, killed David Caruso, didn't he? That sounds right. I know he's in that movie somewhere. He wasn't the sheriff, though. Did he kill, because Brian Dennehy's the sheriff. Did he kill Brian Dennehy, too? I don't remember. I don't rem- I, I would have thought so, but I really don't remember how that movie actually went. It's the only one I actually would like to go back and watch again. Maybe his actions in Rambo 2 and 3 got him, like... Absolved? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, well, now that you killed a bunch of guys in another country, for every hundred guys you kill in another country, you knock off one murder that you did in America. Now that you've hurt the right people. That sounds like the way things probably do work in an unofficial way. But anyhow, mm-hmm. I will say this much. Stallone does, even without his face moving... Uh, make a very convincing, awkward uncle type. He's kind of, for lack of a better phrase, kind of adorable in a way. If you um, remember the moment in, uh, what's the, uh, uh, not Rambo, Rocky Balboa in that movie where he's like, I feel like a kangaroo with all this stuff in my pockets. <laughs> like That literally is the one thing I remember from that movie. It's kind of like that. So at least when he's talking to the niece, in a lot of the movies, he's angry. But there was definitely a point this time around where I was like, what is the message of this movie? I mean, not that every movie has to be selling something, but it's really like it feels like a movie that thinks it's about something. There are all these like voiceover flashbacks and there's like heavy color imagery and whatnot. And and I'm going, what is the message here? Just that people are bad or that the world is worse now than it was during Vietnam. It's strange. You really need to see this movie because I would like to pick your brain about that. And there's a point in this movie that involves tunnels and Rambo is just everywhere. <laughs> like, like somehow it's, it's as if there are 20 different versions of, of Rambo, like multiplicity or something, because he's just everywhere. And these things are supposed to be like a few acres worth of tunnels. And he's just all over anywhere. Anyone turns there's Rambo. And it kind of makes it like a horror movie in a way. It's, it's kind of strange, but anyway, that's it. Isn't that what that f- new Friday the 13th movie was about? Is Jason gets around through tunnels? Oh, 
You know what? I'm pretty sure I saw that, and I still don't know. <laughs> so, so anyway, Rambo, Last Blood. If you like Rambo movies, check it out. If you're looking for a good movie, you probably want to pass. And that's it. That's all I got to say. You said the action when it starts, the last time you saw it is when the movie got fun. Did that hold up the second time through? You know, that's a good question. It, to a degree... Yes, like it's still it, it's still, it's a very over the top, so it's still kind of funny, and there's this sort of like uh, adult Home Alone kind of feel to it that's kind of interesting. But I did realize this time around that it's just shot chaotically. So even though you've seen the planning going into the all the stuff that's going on, as it's actually happening, it's hard to see. It's just hard to know what's happening because it's hard to see what's actually going on because it's a lot of quick cuts where mm-hmm. I, I was just about to say it's not really necessary because people aren't fighting. But I guess it is still a lot of effects and you know people getting killed and stuff. So that's probably their way of making it easy on themselves. Mm. But it does I, make it hard to follow. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, right. Nick should well, check it out. I would love to see it. I just keep forgetting just really needed to see gretel and hansel instead (laughs) (laughs) just just couldn't just couldn't pass up that temptation well speaking of gretel and hansel gretel and hansel from 2020 (laughs) wait is it it's from 2020 that's what the internet movie database says oh man like i said since the time i would have said it was definitely 2019 it says the release date was january 31st so Okay. Maybe had like two or three weeks before everything went to hell. Mm, yeah. But directed by Oz Perkins. And this movie has a... The cast is basically this younger woman named Sophia Lillis, who plays Gretel. And her brother is played by this kid named Samuel Leakey, who plays Hansel. And then there's a witch lady who is played by Alice Krieg, and the whole time I'm watching this lady, I'm like, I know this lady. And when the movie was over, I looked it up, and she played the Borg Queen in Star Trek First Contact. And I was like, oh, cool. I was happy about that. That's the end of that segment. Okay. (laughs) Gretel and Hansel is terrible. Mm. And yet, at the same time, not terrible. Okay. It's beautifully shot. It looks just terrific it's it's got this and it's very eerie and it's very creepy and the atmosphere of this movie is just spot on the problem is is that they had 30 minutes worth of a movie and they stretched it out to an hour and 27 Uh. and it's disaster and storytelling but man is it gorgeous it is so nice to look at. And the acting is kind of all over the place. So like the main girl who plays Greta is Sophia Lillis. I'm going to look up where she's from. I feel like I did earlier and I want to say Brooklyn. Yeah, she's from Brooklyn. And she just has a regular American accent in this movie. And everyone else is British. And she's supposed to be from there. Uh, her brother Hansel, who's like eight or something, and he's just kind of like, Gretel, where are we going next? We must get home to mother. No, Hansel, <laughs> we can't. Wait, is so Li- Sophia Lillis the girl from It? I don't know. Let's see. I think you're right, actually. Yes, she was in It. And she was pretty good in this movie. Like, I don't have a problem with her performance, except that she does not have an English accent, which every time she talks takes you out of the movie because everyone else does because you're in England and it's the past. 
So the story of this movie is your traditional Hansel and Gretel, but it's like twisted. So like Gretel and Hansel, their mother is like crazy and I guess they're poor or something. And she throws them out of the house after threatening to kill them with an axe. So they leave and then the movie kind of keeps going. They come across this guy called the Huntsman or the Woodsman or the Hunter. And this is a scene that makes no sense. Like they come across this house. It's lit with torches and stuff and they're like oh maybe we could sleep here for the night and they just go inside and lay down in a bed they don't talk to anybody they just lay down and hansel's like gretel do you think this is where we would live i don't know hansel maybe we could just try sleeping and then a zombie stands up and chases them out of the building what yeah. You're like, what? What is ha- There's a zombie? And then the hunter shows up and shoots the zombie through the head with an arrow. That should work. What? Yeah. Well, the zombie's dead. And then we go and have breakfast with this guy. He gives us a whole bunch, us being the, the viewer and Hansel and Gretel, he gives us a whole bunch of information about here's where you need to go. There's some woodcutters. They'll give you work and shelter. Just stay away from the wolves. They're handsome and distracting. Handsome. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, okay, well, goodbye forever. And this guy leaves the movie. And you're like, what was even the point of this scene other than to just pad the runtime? It serves no purpose because the advice that he gives comes to nothing. At one point, they do say, well, we're going up the road to find the woodcutters to make camp with them. That's right, Hansel. We're going to make friends with the woodcutters. She's slowly turning into Harrison Ford. Her, I was going to say, why do you keep making her voice turn into like an old man? Damn it, Chewy. She starts calling the boy Chewy. And then they ask her what her last name is. And she's like, I don't know. And they write down Solo. And you're like disappointed again. Yeah. Anyway, they come across this cabin. And while they're walking past it, Hansel is like, ooh, it smells like cake. I smell cake. And meanwhile, they have just gotten done tripping off of mushrooms that they found in the woods. There's this weird sequence where they're doing mushrooms because they're starving to death. I don't know who this movie is for. But again, very atmospheric, very well shot and very creepy. And then they get to this house and they knock on the door and there's no answer. So they look into like the dining room and at the table is this full spread of food. I mean, more food than a king would have. And you're like, well, that seems like a terrible idea to go in there. So they go in there. She opens a window up and Hansel goes inside. And while he's inside, this lady shows up and covers him with a cape. (laughs) And then Gretel tries to run away or dig a hole or start a fire. I don't really know. And the witch comes out and she's like, why don't you guys live here now? And Gretel's like, that sounds like a great idea. And then they do. Time goes on. Gretel starts having nightmares every night. And then she starts figuring out that she's got superpowers. And and then she says to Hansel one morning, here's a sequence of three scenes that take place. She wakes up after having a horrible dream and says to Hansel, Hansel, we need to get out of here. It's not safe to stay here. And Hansel says, but Gretel, it's perfect here. It's everything we... I don't know why I'm making him German. I think it's just because his name's Hansel. (laughs) So, But uh, it's everything we want. And she goes, but we have to leave. I don't want to leave. 
okay, we'll stay. And then there's this scene in between. I don't remember what happens. And then the very next scene is the next morning. And it's Hansel saying, Greta, we need to leave. We can't stay here anymore. And Greta's like, we can't leave. We love it here. We must stay. Why would you ever want to leave this place? But there's been no character development on either side. It's like they filmed both versions of that original scene and just used them both. Oh, God, it's only an hour and 25 minutes. We need more. We'll just throw in that other version of that scene. Who cares? Because it's literally just the opposite of the scene that you saw two minutes ago. And it's yeah. not like the movie's trying to confuse you. It's just terrible storytelling. So everything everything after that is just kind of spoilery. So I won't ruin it for you. I would say to you, Matt, check this out. I'd like to hear what you have to say about it okay because it's a pretty dumb story but it looks great like the whole time you're watching it you're like wow and then there are some pretty cheap jump scares every so often and when you see the jump scares you're like oh well that was cheap why why would they do that and it feels like the studio saying oh this movie's not scary enough put something scary in there and so it's just like this real atmospheric walk through the woods and then all of a sudden a bird will fly by in this like <laughs> insert cut with a loud screeching sound and you're like jump in your chair and you're like oh well what was that about there's nothing it's just like oh it's been five minutes since something scary happened it's time for something scary to happen <laughs> throw a bird at the camera <laughs> so they do it doesn't work but yeah like if you've get it's real quick it's an hour 25 or whatever and if you're looking for something kind of creepy to watch i'd say check it out but overall it's pretty disappointing but as i said many times now looks fantastic like it's 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 a shame because normally a movie like of this caliber would just look like a shitty netflix kind of directed dvd yeah sort of fake horror movie but there's something about the way that this movie was made that it elevates it well i was gonna say i might check it out just for the sake of the the atmosphere and uh, the high production because i i really it's not something i anticipated you saying you know that it looks as great as all that and i gotta say i remember seeing a preview for this at some point and going eh, yeah maybe but somehow i don't know if it was all the way back then or just like over the last couple months in my head, I really mixed it with the Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter movie with Jeremy and uh, now what's his name? Yeah, Jeremy Renner. And so when you're like, yeah, it's played by these kids. I'm like, well, when do they grow up? Like the whole time I was just like <laughs> waiting for you to get to the point where they're adults that are hunting witches. And that's just a whole different movie, which I saw in the Oh, theater. how was that movie? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> it's awful. It's an hour and a half of filler. The other thing I wanted to point out is that the beginning of the movie I guess one of the production companies, one of the production companies for this movie was Orion Pictures, which is a a production company I haven't seen since 1987. Yeah, I thought they were. I feel like yeah, I thought so too. And it's their same like old logo from the 80s. Like it's all grainy and it's like you know like the the music that I can't think of right now, but like the with the stars coming into a line and it says Orion Pictures, and I was like. Oh, man. Awesome. So there's something about the fact that they use that old timey, the animated logo. And and then when you get into this movie, something about seeing that animated logo, like primed you for the movie a little bit where you're like, ooh, okay, I like this. Turns so out Orion Pictures is actually just some guy named Orion who had $70,000 sitting around. <laughs> and he was I like, I think I'm- it's time we made a scary movie. <laughs> 
because he's Irish. <laughs> I'm, yeah, he's just, I'm waiting for the right project. And then they were like, how about Gretel and Hansel? Oh, that sounds great, but let's put an American girl in the lead role. Exactly like that. <laughs> you got it, Orion. <laughs> his first name is also Orion. Well, his first name's O, last name's Ryan. Oh. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I got on Gretel and Hansel. All right. Well, I certainly don't have anything to add to it. Don't, uh, well, don't watch Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> Am I, I guess I'm going again because the other movie you saw is 1917, right? Yeah. Yeah. So spoiler alert for that. The other movie that I saw yes. was The Lighthouse from 2019. This is directed by Robert Eggers. It stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Pattinson. What did I say? Pattinson, which is what you always say. <laughs> There's an N what? in there. That's what I... Pattinson. Sure. What did you say I said? Patterson? Pa- Pattinson. Pattinson. Yep. Robert Pattinson. Which is what you've, Pattinson. Been, you've been saying for years. <laughs> This stars Batman and the Green Goblin. Excellent. And this movie, uh, the guy who wrote and directed it is the guy who wrote and directed The Witch. And this movie is shot in like a four by three format and is all black Mm. and white and is basically the story of these two lighthouse keepers who are in the Navy or something. I don't know. And they're keeping a lighthouse. They're, they're making everything run, and they spend four weeks or something on this island out in the middle of the ocean running this lighthouse. And, and, and well, it's a heads up to the listeners, because I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you permission from me, at least, to spoil stuff. If you feel like there's something you want to talk about, don't worry about not spoiling it. But listeners, Nick might spoil stuff. Okay, I may spoil stuff. But before I do, I would say, check this movie out. If, if the story makes no sense, it's... I agree. But the performances are great. Uh, Willem Dafoe and, and Robert Pattinson there you go. are fantastic in this. They're they're really good. It's the, the story around them that's just insanity. So they're on this island and they're waiting for the next crew to come. And the day that they're supposed to get relieved, the next crew doesn't come because there's a bad storm. And then the storm just never ends. And these two are just stuck on this island for god knows how long and they just basically lose their minds you don't know you're not sure who's crazy or who's crazier or who went crazy first or if any of this is actually happening at one point i was pretty sure that this lighthouse doesn't exist and they're both just in hell and i was pretty set on that towards the end i was like oh this just isn't happening there this is just hell there this is their eternal torment just what, be on this island every day what sort of thing give you a sense that uh, i'm guessing when you say crazy you mean like like psychosis or something like they're losing touch with reality like are there things that seem like hallucinations or is it just how they're seeing each other's behavior a little of both um like uh pattinson yes he's starting to roll right off the tongue no it doesn't i'm just like i don't know how i'm saying it wrong i feel like i'm saying it the exact same way (laughs) no you're getting you're getting it right now you got all the the ends Robert Pattinson. There you go. 
It feels the same. He has like a shady past and whatnot. And Willem Dafoe has a shady past, but Willem Dafoe's the old weathered lighthouse keeper. And this isn't his first rodeo, but this is Robert Pattinson's first time doing this job. And they do not get along except for when Willem Dafoe is drunk which is every night. So like every night, every morning, Willem Dafoe is like a total asshole to Robert Pattinson and Robert Pattinson just kind of takes it. So then every night mentoring him, he's the boss. Is this a thing? I mean, I don't know anything about lighthouses. I mean, is it? I I have no idea. I, do, I wouldn't have even thought there was like a chain of command. I thought it would have just been like, there's one dude. I mean, it feels like it's run by the Navy. Okay. It feels like late 1800s is the time period. Okay. And they're just these guys who work for the Navy and they just happen to be stationed at this lighthouse. So there's a chain of command. There's like the guy who outranks the other guy. And then at one point, Pattinson like freaks out on Willem Dafoe. Where he's like, I'm not doing any more of your crap. And Willem Dafoe's like you will do whatever i tell you otherwise i'm gonna dock your pay but isn't then, the, isn't the sorry I'm, I'm i might be getting please go ahead a little stuck on the idea of what it means to be a lighthouse or a lighthouse keeper but like the lighthouse doesn't really do anything other than shine light well remember time, that right? this is the this is the late 1800s so it's not like they had light bulbs or anything yeah have, but you're just like maintaining like a, that the light's always on there's no like variation you're not trying to do like morse code with the light or anything right no you're maintaining the thing like there's a bunch of machinery involved huh in making the lighthouse like the light spin there's like okay. a whole factory underneath this lighthouse like of gears and stuff that robert pattinson is in charge of maintaining because if any of the gears go down the light won't move right and then there's also this obnoxious foghorn that always sounds like every 10 seconds this foghorn goes off. Throughout the whole movie? Yeah. Oh my God. And from the word go, like the first shot of this movie is like Robert Pattinson glaring at this foghorn with Willem Dafoe over his shoulder with a pipe. And Willem Dafoe's like, ah, there's me lighthouse. And, and Robert Pattinson's like, is that foghorn just going to keep going off? And they, there's no dialogue, but that's just the looks on their face. And you're like, oh, I'm in for a special time here. <laughs> it's a wild movie. It's very strange. It's confusing. And the dialogue, this guy who wrote this movie, as I, as I said, wrote The Witch, and The Witch is like that 1600s dialogue. If you watch this, make sure you watch it with subtitles, because I don't know how you could understand anything they're saying anyway. Is there without like grumbling them. a lot? There's a lot of grumbling, and it's old-timey sort of dialogue, and it's like a lot of seamanship dialogue, like a navy speak i guess without the subtitles i would have been even more lost than i was with them but man I, I like this movie a lot i enjoyed it quite a bit it's really well done and the madness that comes across the screen really like comes across to, to the viewer where you're just kind of like i don't know what's going on I don't trust anything or anybody or because there'll be like sequences where Willem, Daf they'll be like just sitting around after dinner and they'll be getting to know each other a little bit where Willem, Daf where Willem Dafoe has a limp and Batman asks him, how'd you get that limp? And uh, Willem Dafoe will say, oh, I got it doing such and such thing. And I ended up breaking my leg and then it never healed quite right. So now I got a little bit of a limp, but got me this position at the lighthouse and all that stuff. And you're like, okay, that's some interesting backstory. And then the 
the next night they're talking again and Willem Dafoe is drunk again and he just tells a completely different story about how his leg is jacked up. It's like, and uh, you're like the the Joker and how did I, exactly, I don't know how yeah, I got you, these scars. You took the words right out of my mouth where you're just kind of like, wait, what? And then uh, Robert Pattinson goes, no, that's not what you said. You broke your leg. And Willem Dafoe stands up and he's like, don't tell me how I tell my stories. You misheard. And you're like, <laughs> well, Willem Dafoe is clearly crazy. But like, as the movie goes on, you're like, is it Willem Dafoe or is it Robert Pattinson who's crazy? Who is the one who is crazy here? And you're just not sure. You're not sure who's hallucinating because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. And you're like, did that happen or was that a dream? And then once this boat doesn't show up it's things go like things go from weird to crazy so quick and they're just they must be on this island for years because they're just it's just it gets so ridiculous like they go from maintaining this main ish lighthouse in the middle of the ocean to like at the end of the movie it's like the ocean they're living under the sea where it's just they're just underwater they're fighting with each other it's so ridiculous and you're just like what the hell is going on on also there's a sequence with an axe that was pretty satisfying where somebody comes back into a room and they go hey what happened to the axe that was in the table and you go oh there's the axe and it's pretty good well i'm definitely yeah. more curious about this than i was before yeah it's a pretty wacky movie the movie like feels like it feels like the movie thinks it's much smarter than it is but yeah. at the same time like if you go into it thinking maybe this is just hell and they don't know that they're there it might help a little bit but it's definitely a wild ride because just do not understand what's going on from scene to scene. But the performances are fantastic. There's this one single take of Willem Dafoe like freaking out on Robert Pattinson because Robert Pattinson said something really mean to him. And Willem Dafoe does like this curse from the bottom of the sea kind of a thing. And it's like three minutes like where the camera's just slowly moving on Willem Dafoe. And then I read the internet trivia af after watching the movie and then realized like during this whole scene, Willem Dafoe never blinks. And it's just, it's just like, and you'll be cursed to the bottom of the sea where the crabs will pick out your... He just keeps going on and on and on and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, right. I'm in. And also at one point, Willem Dafoe yells, monkey pump. What? Monkey pump. Woo! Monkey pump. What? <laughs> What's a monkey pump? I'll tell you after you see it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll t you'll tell me once I already know. But my wife and I have said monkey pump about a hundred times since since we watched this movie. It's what? It's monkey pump. Woo! They run out of liquor at some point and then invent some with kerosene and honey or something like that. And I guess that's... Oh, it could explain some like of that. the behavior. Um, sure does. I recently heard a story about Robert Pattinson and like how he hates interviews. And so apparently he did this interview with Matt Lauer, the, the other one bad one <laughs> and matt lauer was like i, I guess it, it might have been like water for elephants um was the movie something that had circus stuff in it and so being that sort of stupid fluffy interview stuff he's like so did you always like the circus and robert pattinson's like well actually when i was at the circus uh, like maybe like the first time or the only time you ever went to the circus like a clown car exploded and it killed the clown that was inside oh my god and all this stuff and then like at some point later like it 
it totally apparently shut Matt Lauer down. And then later he's like, yeah, I just made that up. I don't, <laughs> I just didn't, <laughs> wasn't really feeling the interview. So I just, he's like, I, I, from what I hear anyway, this is all like third hand knowledge, but he's like, I, I uh, don't really know why I did that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, the more time goes by, the more and more I like this guy. Uh, yeah. He's he's quite a talented actor, and, and I really enjoyed his performance in this one. One thing that was kind of weird reading the trivia about the making of this movie uh-huh. is, I guess, like, he and Willem Dafoe didn't really see eye to eye at the beginning. Like, Willem Dafoe loves to rehearse because he's like a theater. He's more of a theater guy. And Robert Pattinson's a movie that. guy where he would prefer not to... He doesn't want to blow everything he's got on the first on, in rehearsal and then miss it in the take. Mm-hmm. Like he um, might sort he of wants, spend his his motivation or energy. Yeah, exactly. He he doesn't want to, and he says like giving it is all in rehearsal would make it feel phony to him doing the exact same thing in the actual take. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see that. I I, I totally understand where he's coming from. So while they're doing rehearsals for this, because it's a lot of it's just a lot of dialogue. Willem Dafoe is totally into it, and Robert Pattinson is not. And so they're just kind of like, what do we got with this guy? And then, like, you know, they started doing the actual filming and they're like, oh, whoo. Like now, uh, that, but now that we're actually filming and Robert Pattinson's doing the trying, whole thing, it's, yeah, it's, huh, yeah. But by the end, they were like great friends. But like, you really like both of these guys by the end of the movie because you don't know which one you're supposed to hate more. <laughs> it's great, it's, it's great. So yeah, check it out, The Lighthouse. It is just make sure you watch it with subtitles because I don't know how you're supposed to know what the hell they're saying without it. But this Robert Eggers guy is so good at writing old timey dialogue. I don't know if it's correct, but it sounds time appropriate. You're not sure if it lines up with your knowledge of centuries-old language. Exactly. I hear you sipping your drink over there and figure I should just tell you this story about how, while you were telling us about the lighthouse, I dove into my second Dr. Pepper, and uh, I'm using a metal straw, you know, so that I'm not sipping it, like, right up, you know, near the microphone making noise and stuff. Not thinking about quite how full the can was. And trying to dodge my microphone with the straw, I had to tip the can a bit. I just poured Dr. Pepper all over myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't want to interrupt you, so I'm just over here in a Dr. Pepper bath. Is that what the, uh, at some point I heard like a loud jangling sound. (laughs) It sounded like you dropped something. Might have been that. Uh, Oh, there's the cold open. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we 1917? Shall we indeed? Let's let's go from 1870 to 1917 we're 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 catching up with reality well 1917 plot of this movie is it's world war one and two guys need to get a message from one location to another one they need to let a forget what the the rank is but like let's say a captain let a captain know not to take this like seemingly opportune attack because the germans have made it look like they are in a bad position that they're on the run and that they're it's a really good time to go in and attack them but it's actually a trap so they're running for an hour and a half well one of them's running for an hour. we have spoiler alert on this movie by the way people <laughs> <laughs> again we've both seen it now so we're gonna spoil the, the heck out of it one of the guys is going for an hour and a half to get to where he's going that's the plot a lot happens in the meantime 
So while he's trying to get there, all the things that could happen, happen. <laughs> he goes through every World War One level. They're like, hey, what are all the experiences a soldier could have in World War One? Oh, these 300 things? Well, let's just make those all happen to this one guy. And mm-hmm. for some portion of this, his friend. Tommen. This is my, yeah, Tommen from uh, Game of Thrones. And that's actually, the further I get from this movie, the more that bothers me. This, that it was Tommen? No, 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 no. That It just seems like a bunch of crap thrown at a movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad movie. And, and I'm going to have good things to say about it as, as a movie and as a experience. But it just doesn't ring believable or true mm-hmm. and it, i tell you what so um right before we watched this karina's dad and stepmom had on whatever channel and, and forrest gump came on and so forrest gump was on for a little bit i'm not going to be reviewing forrest gump but uh you know when i was a kid i enjoyed forrest gump a- anymore i'm just like okay so it's this crappy movie where people had this idea of let's throw everything at this guy i mean i know it's a book and in the book apparently he also goes to space and does like 10 other things that didn't make it into the movie but it's to me annoying it's just it's like this is dumb and we went from watching like forrest gump pg-13 movie to like rated r forrest gump because <laughs> it's this it just has the same feel of like they wanted to have all the things so they did all the things mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah i do not disagree the things that happened are spectacular but there's no story really to bring it all together well my problem is isn't just that it doesn't bring it together because i could see where it wouldn't have a consistent plot because events could happen randomly but there's a point at, there's there's a tipping point in there somewhere where you go this is just so many events in an hour and a half and it's and part of this is that it's sort of meant to be shot in real time mm-hmm. so these are things that might happen across the course of a week and i might be able to go oh okay you know you're just showing me the things that are worth showing in a week but it's all happening to him in real time and there are moments where that's exciting but overall it just takes me out of the movie because i'm like this just feels like i don't know like a game of mousetrap or something where it's like this thing then this thing then this thing rube goldberg built to just be action after action and even in like what might be the one down moment where he meets some French girl and they talk for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. That just seems completely, it, it, even though it's not an action scene, it, it takes this even one step further where it's like, oh, okay, so we also have to see him have a social experience too. I almost would rather just see him like just doing the physical stuff, getting from point A to point B. It's not that it's too much action. It's just too much variety of events to be yeah there's too much it's yeah it's too much happens to this guy in an hour and a half yeah and it's like an hour and a half in real time except for when he's falls asleep for a while because he gets shot in the face but um yeah yeah um, what what went on there did did the bullet bounce off his head or something because it hit his helmet okay Okay. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Sorry, helmet. Not like yeah. not like it bounced off his head like he's got an iron forehead. <laughs> yeah, it hits his helmet and then he falls down the steps and smashes his head on the landing. 
right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that seemed possible to me. Like, okay, his head's bleeding because he fell down the steps. But I wasn't sure if, wait, was he actually supposed to have gotten hit in some way by the bullet? But yeah, then- so he, he, he and the German guy shoot each other at the same time, and the German guy bleeds out, and he just kind of has his seventh concussion of the day. Right, right. And then later, when he does meet the French girl, she pulls something out of the back of his head, I guess. Does she? Yeah, because he's like, she's she's doing something. She's kind of like reaching through his hair and he's like, ah, ah. And then they both kind of without words sort of agree that he needs to like hold still or something. And then she does something and he's like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, did she pull out a piece of glass? What what exactly was supposed to have happened there? What's in his pulled head? pulled out your extra brain. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like... Was, was, <laughs> now you no longer feel pain. Was it part of his head? What just happened? I don't know. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah. Would you like one of my drawer babies? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she pulls a baby out of a drawer, doesn't she? Like she's hiding oh. it in a... <laughs> yeah, there is a baby there. I don't think she pulls it out of a drawer. I think it's just sort of in the corner and he didn't notice when he came in. And uh. when he came in, while he was running away from the German guys, who could see him, but just <laughs> yeah. didn't bother to follow him. They're chasing him all over the place. And then he ducks into this, through this window in the ground, into a basement, and they... Mm-hmm. They just go by. I, I, I even said to to Karina at the time, I was like, "What just happened there? Why, why didn't they follow him in there?" I don't know. And, and I, we, I mean, I guess it's just supposed to imply he got around a corner or something and and got out of their eyes eyesight. But but this is yeah, another I, problem I agree, of this like real time like, thing because you can't imply anything that's not happening because there's no there's no cut. Right. And we we couldn't figure out we we didn't bother to rewind or anything. But one of the guys, or or maybe it's the only guy who's chasing him at the time they're running after each other and they're shooting uh, or, or the guy's running after him and he's shooting at him and he's not very far ahead so it's just a matter of movement that's avoiding you know being hit mm-hmm. and then the guy dro- the guy chasing him drops to the ground and shoots at him and Karina thought maybe he tripped. I thought he just jumped onto the ground to steady himself and to aim. Mm-hmm. But it's it seems to be a straight tunnel or a straight like a it's not a tunnel, but it's like it, it's part of it's like underneath a building and there are posts and stuff that they're running around. But it's a straight shot. And then he crawls into this basement again through a window, I think. But because it's straight, I'm like the guy just wa-, at least as as my experience as a watcher of this movie, I'm like the guy just watched him crawl into the basement. That's a exactly how this reads and then just doesn't bother to to pursue him into the basement and then there's a french girl because of course of all the basements he's gonna find the one with a girl and a baby and the girl's like you're here to take this baby away from me right i don't want it please take the baby uh no i'm not taking i'm not taking the baby did you notice the music in this movie i don't remember Okay, I did. And for me, the music was, it's nice music. Like it sounds, it's its cool. It, it sounds good, but it doesn't seem to fit. Like it's weird. And it, it took me out of the movie a lot too, because when the music would start, it would be these like piano, these like sort of quiet single note piano things melodies and stuff and every time i or at least like three or four times there's probably some music in the movie that i didn't really notice and might have just added to the atmosphere but in these three or four moments where i noticed the music i was like this is a cool song what's it doing here what i don't get i don't get why this sound is happening at this point in time this feels like music for maybe another movie or another vibe of what's going on so that was kind of strange 
and I think overall, I felt like there were a handful of things where I was like, there's kind of a strange matchup. Whoever's doing, I guess the director, you know, is bringing everything together. I'm like, I feel like the director's not really there. Obviously, the person directing the photography or the cinematographer, whatever position that is, where they go like, here's how the shot needs to look. I would think that'd be director has input on that too. But it seemed like these individual people had their own takes on what should be happening. And the music guy was on one page and then the photography guy was on a different page and whoever's, I don't know, figuring out how the tone is supposed to be for the actor is on a different page. It was strange. It was strange. This is a strange movie. Mm. Yeah, I do not recall the music at all. Which isn't, I guess, a good thing. But I don't recall it being distracting or anything, so... Yeah, if you ever watch this again, I don't know, I guess if you don't... Well, try to pay attention for it a little bit, because I feel like there are going to be a few places where you're like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Or maybe you won't, and and I, I could just be the one person having that experience. I had notes for good and bad regarding the shots, you know, regarding the actual photography, because there are a lot of shots that are really pretty. They're really neat shots. There's like one moment that's in silhouette and there's a lot of light and maybe it's fire or... Is that where the town's on fire for some reason? There are a couple shots. All the orange light. That's coming to mind. And then there's another one where he's like, I think he's jumping off of something or he's getting to the top of a hill or something. And there's this silhouette and it's kind of like the music where... I'm like, wow, this is really pretty. But now I feel like I'm just watching. This is taking me out of the war because now it's just the director of photography kind of showing off and being like, look at how pretty this shot is. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of shots in DC movies where you can tell that it's just a still from the, oh, this is a big spread in the middle of the comic book. And they wanted to show that shot. And so here it is, which can be a little bit annoying in a comic book movie, but like it's a comic book movie. So it's, it's not really that big of a problem. But here when I'm like experiencing World War One, and then they're like, hey, look what I can do with a camera. I'm like, well, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Make it pretty by just shooting it well. Don't make this about how you can show off with your filter or or staging or whatever. It, it, it that took me out a lot. There's a lot taking me out of this movie, even though I think yeah. the whole point of the one shot thing was to really bring you into the action. Yeah, to me it it succeeds in that, but I agree with you that it's distracting at the same time. It brings you into the action, but at the same time you're kind of distracted by the production of the movie where you're like, Oh, how did they do that? The part where they're going through the no man's land with like the skeleton horses and the skeleton people. And they establish that the, in front of them is all barbed wire. And then the camera just kind of passes through it. That still kind of blows my mind. Like, how are they able to accomplish that? I'd love, like, I, I feel like I'd be more interested in a making of this movie. I would like an love making to of. watch a, a making of this movie. Because I, I think feature wise or, or technical, technical wise, this movie, He's a fantastic but as far as a storytelling thing it's pretty disappointing like it just it's just got no meat on it and and as you said it's just hey here's everything you could go through in world war one in an hour and a half i think i said in my review that it, it feels like it's it's just a video game and you're the guy who doesn't get to talk i agree with that there was definitely a moment where i was watching that and and you saying that kind of came back to mind because i was having a very clear experience i'm like what am i feeling like right now and then i was like oh i'm feeling exactly what Nick was talking about. But I don't think it's bad. It's just could have been better. Yeah, it's somewhere in the writing stage. There should have been some more editing 
to go, hey, let's yeah. let's take out some of this stuff because it's going to unimmerse people. If you're going to have this be in real time, this is just not going to work out very well. I'll tell you what annoys me, though, as far as I hate the part, but like not because it's bad storytelling, but when Tommen and the main guy pull that German out of the burning airplane yeah. to save his life, and then he stabs Tommen, I think about that all the time where I'm like, oh, what a dick. <laughs> like what a dick, man. He was saving you. And I mean, I know the German who was just in a plane crash doesn't know what's happening to him and it's war, but you didn't have to stab him. <laughs> he just saved your life. Like, I mean, for all the German knows, he's about to be tortured to death for information or whatever, but he didn't have to stab Tommen. Like, Tommen didn't do anything. He's a nice guy. I kind of liked, it, it, it's a bit frustrating, but I think it's meant to be, and it's sort of in a good way, that you don't see it happen. You're mm -hmm. following the one guy over to the well, getting ready to pump up some water to try to help this German guy whose like, legs were on fire. And then when he, you, you can hear a little bit of something going on in the background, and there's nothing really to indicate that it's necessarily really bad. And then he turns around and you're, you're like, oh crap, the German's in the middle of stabbing that dude. So I thought that was handled pretty well. I thought the performances were good, even though you don't really get to know the characters a whole lot, it, which is actually fine with me. It, it, I think that works for just kind of jumping in. I think if they had added any more peppered in character stuff, then it would have been too much. But I still thought that the performances were good. These these two guys do a good job. You're 100% right when you say that the other people, the other like three people that are in the movie are just like cameos, where it's been yeah. definitely like, here's Colin Firth. Here's Benedict Cumberbatch, and Benedict Cumberbatch is just Cumberbatching it up. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it, uh, man. It, if it weren't for other stuff taking me out of the movie as much as it did, that would have really messed me up. If I was super into this, and then Benedict Cumberbatch showed up the way he did, I'd be like, "What? You don't belong here. We don't need any big Where's Doctor Strange. Here? Yeah, we do not need a big star that has a lot of stuff already associated with him, which yeah. they really don't need. Why did why pay these people as much as they probably cost when it would have even yeah. been better to have somebody who just looks like they might be a captain or a general or something rather than and someone who has this star stuff attached to them. This isn't a star movie. If it were, you yeah. know, if these two guys were being played by, I don't know, Justin Timberlake and Tom Holland or something, that then it might have been fine. But it seemed really weird. I totally agree. Yeah. The cameos were, they really pull you out of it. Like, I mean, Colin Firth is always great, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, cool, Colin Firth. Instead of going, oh, what's he talking about? You know, like it, it just pulls you out of the movie. Yeah, they're not bad performances. So. I mean, for the little bit that they're there, I mean, Cumberbatch is Cumberbatchy, but it's not that he's doing a bad job or anything. It, it just doesn't belong there. That's This whole movie yeah. just is like, there wasn't someone with, I don't know, enough perspective or able to back up enough to go, oh, Okay, so big picture here. If we do these things this way, it's going to really jar what we're going for. I do agree with you that for the most part that it's it's a, you know, it's a real feat that they've accomplished. That would be more the case if it was actually if it actually was one shot, and I'm not complaining that it's not. I'm not going to say like, "Oh, you can tell that it's not one shot." So, or that there are people look at Birdman and they're like, "Oh, you, you know, there's a moment here and there where they they move through a patch of darkness for a second, and you know, that's a good that's a place where they probably cut in went to the next, you know, scene. It wasn't all shot the way a, a play would occur. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I don't really mind that. There are a few moments, though, where when it happens, you do feel it. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's not just like nitpicking, but you actually feel it happen. And that's a little weird. And I don't know, maybe this one shot thing is just a gimmick that doesn't quite work. You know, maybe there's a, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe there's somebody out there who can do it perfectly. I never actually saw Birdman. So maybe that movie does do it perfectly. I don't know. Um, I saw Birdman. It's... I can't take the music. The music oh, kills me. I it's just didn't a lot know of jazz very... drums. Oh. oh god, it's it's I never saw the movie Whiplash, but I refer to the movie Whiplash as the making of the soundtrack to Birdman. Oh, okay. I've been meaning to watch Whiplash for quite some time. I need to get around to that. Um, I I too, but I I don't like jazz drums. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> there is a movie called Victoria that Matt V talked about on this show years ago now that is shot all in one shot and it is legit one shot where like from the from the beginning of the movie to the end it's one continuous shot uh with no no cuts anywhere in between and i feel like if that's the only way you can really do this uh, a lot of this movie is uh, of 1917 is really great like I really loved watching it and I I have problems with it but like I'm totally going to watch it again like I thought it was fantastic but the one shot thing for the most part is just a really distracting like if you had made this exact movie as a traditional film would it hold up in the same would, the same would it line? be as good as it is right if it was just shot as a traditional movie with you know like cuts and cutaways and establishing shots like all the, all the traditional techniques would it even stand out or would it just be a regular movie i like, don't is, i don't is, think like i totally agree with much. you i that think the, that's a place where the story not having much story would be a real real problem this this is more of an immersive that what it has to offer that's really that is interesting and i did enjoy this movie I, I know i'm i'm pointing out all the flaws but i think it's because it's actually really good or or was a good experience in the ways that it was that the things that are problems really stand out mm-hmm. um, yeah, and i totally think the agree. things that it does do well is that it is pretty other than when it yanks you back out it, it, the immersive experience is interesting at a lot of points it is kind of moving and energizing and the sort of thing where you kind of lean forward on your seat. Yeah, it's it's exciting and 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 thrilling. But then when when it does do something like there's a, the worst part of the movie, I think, is when he jumps into the river. Uh huh. It's the worst looking CGI I think I've seen since it's Morgan Freeman in Angel Has Fallen or whatever. And it's just like this is this looks terrible. Like how could they just allow this to happen? It looks like a PlayStation two cutscene as he, he jumps in the water for his 14th head injury. It, and it does, it stands out so much because the rest of the movie does. When you were talking about the barbed wire thing, I didn't notice that, but I could see where I would guess that in terms of doing that, they probably had to do some Lord of the Rings type stuff, you know, like how the, they had tables that were cut in half that would move as the camera moves so that everything oh, yeah, was no, the same I, size. I, I, I think that's the only way you could do it where it just looks like it's buried in the dirt, but it's the whole set. It's just the whole set. How amazing was that? Like, yeah, through like, the, through the rest of the movie, everything looks very real. Um, yeah. The the experiences of the non realness of it are sort of like it's a more of a mental thing where you're like, wait a minute. So this is just if this was all one shot, they probably had an obstacle course 
that was about, I don't know, five football fields long. <laughs> and they just had to like run through that. And that's, you know, it, 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 it's when you add it up that it seems at all not real in that way. But as far as the look of it, it all looks really good. It looks really gritty. And then when he jumps off that thing, a hundred percent, you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? This is a cartoon all of a sudden. And then, and then he falls in the river. And I, I had more of an issue with him being in the river and just like, I don't know. There was something about it where I was like, oh, of course he's going to. It was it was probably one of the, the moments where it really stood out where I was like, oh, of course that's going to happen because we haven't had him crawl over a bunch of dead bodies yet. Yeah. But again, I know you were talking about the CGI aspect of it and boy, it just jumps out because everything else looks so real. And then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah. what is this? And the other thing I was thinking of just now is that that whole sequence with the barbed wire fence, like. That could have been CGI, and I just it just looked so great. But if point, if man. if that's the case, then the sequence where he jumps in the water is unforgivable. <laughs> it's <laughs> even worse. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out this whole movie was done on a green screen set. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh well, he was falling. We thought we could have let the we thought we could let Jim do it. You know, <laughs> he could handle that. Hey, Jim, get on your computer and CGI us up a little bit of this guy falling. Okay, yeah. is it okay if he but, looks uh, like rubber? Yeah. Eh, whatever, we'll, we'll, we're out of know, Stick his face on there, that's all right. <laughs> Use the footage from Spider-Man 1. <laughs> that's exactly what around. I was thinking about, yeah. I do agree with you. I think that the, the Steadicam stuff is, is really just a gimmick, and I'd like to see this movie done again as a traditional movie, just to compare as like an experiment to see which one is more interesting. I would but, like to see it done again just with less events, like the, in this format, and see it just more cohesive with the with the different styles and the music and everything, and like not needing the shots that are just supposed to be extra 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 you do this movie again with this way yeah. but less <laughs> and Make then do again and then do <laughs> one that's a standard one and we'll we'll compare all three of these things and see where we sit with this whole like one shot gimmick thing chop chop yeah make it happen go ahead get to work sam we, we'll have to call orion about this yeah <laughs> oh i got seventy thousand dollars from the hansel gretel movie <laughs> That's it like, was in theaters for two weeks. <laughs> got eight squibs. <laughs> that's that's about what that'll buy. Get Jim in here. I can afford Jim. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I have, I don't know. I, I, I will say I recommend it. Check it out. It is kind of like, oh, shoot. What was the, what was the movie? Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. I want to... F- put this somewhere near Dunkirk in terms of there being some good immersive experiences. Dunkirk had some of those. And also, now I enjoyed Dunkirk a lot when I saw it retroactively. I feel like it it probably wouldn't be that great to go back to, but I think I liked it more than this. And I think it would be better to go back to than this. And I kind of want to just take these movies and go, all right, somebody else, there's got to be a director out there and, and maybe a writer or like an editor that can mash this stuff up up and crank out the thing that everyone's trying to get to because these movies do have great stuff to offer probably are going to have some experiences too where you're like eh, this could be better in one way or another or five ways but but it's still worth checking out i, it, I don't know i'm kind of interested to see where this thing goes and I, i'm happy to have these war movies that aren't just this standard storyline with all this i don't know that i've ever I, I don't think i ever actually saw it but i'm gonna say like pearl harbor kind of quality to it uh. <laughs> 
where there's not all this extra, you know, oh, we have to throw in a romance or this or that other thing to follow some typical narrative, but something that's a bit more like, hey, you know what? This war experience isn't going to follow that. There, mm-hmm. There isn't a structure to it. There's a lot of random stuff and it's it's going at the pace and the whims of those experiences. And I'd say this movie kind of where those other movies fall too structured and, and adding in a bunch of unnecessary stuff that doesn't have to actually do with the war experience. This movie puts in like too much war experience. So, so I'm curious to see where this goes. I would say that my problem with it is probably very similar to what you have where it's, Hey, it's world war one and here's everything you could go through in world war one instead of here's a specific battle and everything you'd have to deal with in this specific situation Yeah, where it's like, we're not going to make 10 world war one movies. Here's one movie with 10 events. It's like saving private Ryan, which I think is an excellent movie, but the story's crap because it's the same thing where it's just like, Hey, here are all the major events towards the end of World War II, and our main characters are going to go through all of them. Here's a D-Day invasion, and here's a, a battle in the woods. Here's a battle in a town in the rain. Here's a battle in the town with tanks, and the uh, movie's over. So, like, it's just it's just a bunch of different video game levels where yeah. I I feel like what I want is a breakdown of a specific of of a specific one situation rather than going from set piece to set piece to set piece. Maybe that's one area that that Dunkirk worked out better. Because, you know, you're kind of following around different people. And so you are sort of getting this like day in the life of, and it is during the midst of some pretty high intensity experiences, but it doesn't seem like as much stuff's crammed in. Whereas this movie, like you're not learning a lot about the characters. So it's kind of like a day in the life of these characters, but it's a day in the life in which they live the whole war <laughs> and, right. all the, yeah. and all the things. Yeah. See, I had, I got problems with Dunkirk. I've only seen it the one time and I did not understand what was going on until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Like I need to go back and watch it again, understanding that it's nonlinear. Yeah. Because that did not click with me for whatever reason. I just did not catch that until like the end of the movie. I was like, oh shit, now I get it. Yeah, I think and then like I, half I the audience had a little that. more, but I think it was sort of like a, a, a sort of just a dice roll, you know, that, that people either it, it clicked with them for some reason. And I would say this is probably if Chris Nolan wanted people to know what's going on, then it's kind of a failure on his part if, if he didn't want people to be confused about that at all. But from all the responses I've heard from other people, it seems like it's just a flip of the coin, whether it clicked for you or didn't. And it didn't for me until the towards the end of the movie and then i went oh okay i get it and then i was like oh this is this makes more sense i need to watch this again knowing what i know yeah because like all the tom hardy stuff takes place over like however long the movie is but his adventure is only like six minutes (laughs) right so it's like Hmm. that's it so yeah check out 1917 but be ready to feel a director and producer's hand in it a lot in a bad way yeah Matt, it's time for our movie ranking list, or five on five. Five on segment. five. Five on five. There, it's, it's got a theme song now. Sweet. <laughs> I have the list for you open right now. Oh, wow. And up first is Rambo First Blood, and I think you're going to give this movie, I think you're going to give it a two. <laughs> that feels right. 
<laughs> the story. You have since you have since rated it, but I don't remember what you what you gave it on the old list. I don't remember. I think I might have been a little bit more generous with it then. The story or the plot. I want to say there's something about this movie, and I'm saying that as though it's not obvious, but like it is. There, this movie's racist. Um, but <laughs> but without being able to quite know what the message of the movie is, it's hard to exactly know in what way. Like I don't know what it's trying to tell me about people. I don't know what it's trying to tell me about Mexico. But anyway, story, I'm going to say one and a half. Acting. Somehow Sylvester Stallone is doing a good job, but also has no expression at the same time. So I'm going to give it a three. Wow. Um, Yeah, that feels too generous. I'm going to give it a two and a half. (laughs) Okay. Pacing. I don't necessarily buy into all the events that are happening, but they happen at a pretty doable pace. I'll give pacing a three. Aesthetics. Now, see, I think I gave the aesthetics a higher rating the first time or or like more positive feedback the first time because I didn't really realize until the second time just how much of that stuff in the action scenes could have been easier to see, should have been clearer, and and that it was a bit disappointing that it wasn't. Be kind of like if in Home Alone, you know, you see the map and you watch Kevin planting all the things and you know there are micro-machines there, but then when Marv, Larry, Harry, I don't know which one. Marv. Yeah. Hey, what, yeah. What, well, when, Harry, when Daniel Harry, Stern comes Harry through the window. Harry is Joe Pesci. Really? And Mar- Marv is Daniel Stern. Okay. So when Marv is coming through the window, instead of actually seeing him hit, put his feet down on the micro machines, you were just seeing the upper half of him. <laughs> and you're like, I know he's stepping on the micro machines, but I have to fill it in myself. So anyway, the aesthetics are going to get a little bit lower. I'm going to give the aesthetics two and a half. Why did you watch this again? Oh, uh, Karina's dead and stepmom wanted to watch it. Oh, okay. So they had already picked out a movie. And they were like, here, let's let's watch this. And I was like, oh, all right, that's fine. I mean, I didn't mind watching it again, to tell you the truth. I So last thing here on the five on five is enjoyment. And I didn't enjoy it as much, but it wasn't like a terrible ride. So I'm going to give the enjoyment a two and a half. And that brings your score for Rambo Last Blood to be a 2.4. Okay. And uh, I will say in terms of Rambo movies, I think it was a bit better than the one before it it's impossible <laughs> <laughs> what was the last one called rambo rambo okay. yeah just rambo In i totally list. forgot about that one by the way like at some point they were like how many rambo movies are there how many rocky movies are there and i'm like rambo there are now four <laughs> And then I was talking about him. And then I was just like, yeah, you know, and there's that one where he's just shooting people nonstop, which I know sounds like I'm talking about all of them. But if you've seen the fourth one, you know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a whole movie. There's a fourth movie. This is the fifth one. There are five Rambos. Totally forgot. Yeah, there are eight Rocky movies. No kidding. I still haven't seen that Creed 2, which is insane that I haven't seen that yet. I was going to say, I still haven't seen Creed. I need to get around to that at some point. Uh, Creed was cool. Uh Next up for you is 1917. I think you're going to give this a three and a half. Sounds fair too. This is a little hard now that I've gone through like all the stuff that stood out to me as as frustrating. So I might have to temper myself a little bit here. So story wise, I know it doesn't have much of a story, but for what it is, it's not really exactly meant to have a story the same way something else would. Oh, it has too many things. I'm gonna give it a two because just there's so much thrown in there. Acting, actually, I thought the acting was really good, so I'm gonna give it a four. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a four. Pacing. 
Man, that's a hard one to answer <laughs> because it's like, well, all this stuff is thrown in that shouldn't be there. But as far as just like the feel of the ride goes, it's a it's a pretty good pace. I'm going to give the pacing a, I'm going to kind of mix those ideas and give it a three and a half. Aesthetics, yeah. again, it's a mixed bag, three and a half. And then enjoyment, I am going to give it a three and a half. That brings your score for 1917 to be a 3.3 okay which puts it just above wildling that sounds fair wait that's not right Uh uh-oh we've got an error in the list Uh (laughs) uh-oh we're gonna have to we're gonna have to correct the list I, Tanya, is lower than it should be. What do you mean? Like the score is somehow higher wild, than the thing above it? Somehow Wildling got above I, Tanya, and it shouldn't be. Huh. Uh, this is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now on to my list. Yeah. I gave 1917 a four. It's right towards the top of my list. So that's interesting. What did you give it? A three, three? Sounds like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what do you think I am going to give Hansel and Gretel? No, Gretel and Hansel, which apparently autocorrects to Greeted and Harlow. Oh, <laughs> Greeted and Harlow. I think you'll give Greeted and Harlow a 2.5. No, hang on, hang on. 2.47. Okay. Okay. So plot for this movie, I am going to say it gets a two, one and a half, a one and a half for the plot. It, it would be lower, but parts of it are interesting. And I'm giving some of the aesthetic points to the plot. I'm going to give the plot a one and a half. It, it, it's one and a half. Acting, I'm going to give it a, a solid three. It, it's not poor acting. And even the little kid who's kind a little obnoxious, he's still pretty good. And I think most of that's the English accent, which lets you forgive it. Yeah. Pacing for this movie, I am going to give a two. It's it's less than an hour and a half long, but an hour longer than it needs to be. So it's it's such a, it's weird. it's such a weird thing. Uh, the aesthetics, I'm going to give a four and a half. It looks wow. fantastic. It's gorgeous. And then enjoyment of this movie, I'm going to give it a two. I did have I did have fun watching. I'm going to give it a two and a half. I did have fun watching it. It's not the worst movie and it's not the best movie, but like it sucks, but it's, it, you know, it's different. <laughs> it's, so it looks like my final score for that is going to be a 2.7. Oh. Now, what do you think I am going to give the lighthouse i think you're gonna end up giving the lighthouse a 4.2 all right so plot for this movie is complicated which doesn't mean it's good it's very confusing which doesn't mean it's good but it's executed really well so i'm gonna give the plot a three the acting i'm gonna give a four and a half I kind of want to go with a five, but there's something that's keeping me from doing that. The acting's fantastic. Pacing, I'm going to give a three. It does feel like it lags at some points, and it's supposed to be a a slog because you're supposed to be going through hell with these guys, but I feel like it could have been picked up a little bit here and there. But when when, when stuff is happening, it is crazy. The aesthetics, it looks great. I love the four by three format. I love the black and white. Everything has is very stark with its color, or not the color, but the contrast between the bright and the darkness. It looks it looks great. I'm going to give it a four and a half for aesthetic, and then enjoyment of this movie. I think I'm going to give it a three. That feels a little low, but I don't quite feel three and a half, so I'm going to give it a three, and that brings my score for the lighthouse to be a three point six. Hmm. 
Hey, if you're interested in seeing our list and seeing what they look like when they're mostly correct, check out thisweekinfilm.com. There you'll find a quick link to our letterbox page, which keeps everything neat and tidy for us after I tell it the correct information. If there's anything else you want to know about the show, you'll find it on thisweekinfilm.com, including our section called Midwest Matt Recommends. Matt. What do you recommend this week? Let's see here. So this week, I think I will say check out the Scaredy Cats Horror Show. And what this is, is uh, uh, from a from a podcast I recommended before called Reply All. One of the hosts is, uh, he's he's got a lot of anxiety when it comes to like horror movies. So he, the, the other host really loves horror movies. And at some point, the, the guy with the anxiety said, I want to, I want to do something with this. He heard about exposure therapy and stuff and so he asked the other host to kind of arrange for him a emotional obstacle course if you will through scary movies to start with something not too scary and then build his way up to help him <laughs> kind of build a tolerance for horror movies and potentially enjoy them and so far i think the second episode comes out today which will be nightmare on elm street but the first episode and and get this so the idea here is that it'll gradually build an in intensity right mm-hmm. the first episode was the exorcist <laughs> Oh my god. I knew you were going to say that. Now, I don't find The Exorcist scary at all, but I feel like so many people do, you know, it's it's really effective for so many people. I'm like, why would you start with that? You can't start with The Exorcist. It seems intense. So anyway, the the first episode was a pretty fun episode, and and if you watch reply or if you listen to Reply All, and enjoy that at all, which I also recommend. You'll probably enjoy it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the one about Nightmare on Elm Street. And if you would like to send us an email to tell us what you have seen this week in film, or just recently, send us a line at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on the various social networks. Just like we got on YouTube from Angry YouTuber who left us a message saying just finished battle los angeles and he goes on to say i thought it was pretty dope great action movie bad story i kind of thought that everything being powered by water was kind of dumb too especially when the the supposed explanation paraphrased by the way our water's composition is the only one of its kind in the known universe liquid like what one of you also expressed that the realistic Marines was interesting. That was me. The actors were actually trained by Marines who are also in the movie, which I didn't know. So that's kind of cool. Thanks for the message, angry YouTuber. And you don't sound that angry to me. And we also heard from our good friend on Instagram, Ivan, whose screen name is ivan.a.lucianno luciano i'm assuming and he said he listened to us talk about the movie fate stay night from episode 161 and he says hilarious and he said thank you with a the laughy smiley face tilted with the tears emoticon so thanks for the message ivan ivan does a lot of cool drawings on the instagram so you should follow him he's quite the artist but anyway and if you want to help out with us at all uh you know getting the word out there about the show just review us on i don't know apple podcasts or any other medium really anything else for this week matt no that's it all right well i guess if that is the end of the reel we'll see you next week in film Judge movies, not people.
歩き！